let's do it. All right, welcome to Beers with Nigel. It's a podcast about beer and other things. We got a couple of special guests tonight, uh, along with Nick, because you're always special. So Nick's here as so My usual. mommy tells me. Good. But we've got Marcus J. Baskerville from Weathered Souls Brewing out of San Antonio, Texas, a great brewery. I'm repping. You see, I'm repping the half. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, dude. I met him at Fresh Fest last year. He was a great guy. The brewery's amazing. Um, I love what they're doing. He's doing a special project now. We'll get into that. We also have on the call is uh, Tony DiPlacido of Windshift Brewing right here in the Kansas City area, Blue Springs, Missouri. We just got to uh, doing Marcus's recipe on Saturday. We'll, we'll talk about that. And hopefully, uh, since Tony let me help with, with the brew dad and screw it up. So <laughs> there's that. So Marcus, welcome to, uh, to the show, man. It's good, good to Thanks see you. Have you. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, your, your history, how you got into craft beer. Yeah, um, so I got a craft beer straight out of competition. Um, my brother, I have an older brother, seven years older than me, and he had got like a Mr. Beer kit for Christmas for my sister and ended up brewing the beer and it came out horrible. So then it was like <laughs> one of those things like, well, I could brew a better beer than you. And so we actually ended up doing a few beers together and then I moved to San Antonio about maybe a year after that. Uh, kept home brewing. And um, in the point of doing that, started bringing my beer to uh, like local bars, restaurants, uh, breweries, when uh, things actually started tasting good. Right. Um, so from there, I ended up getting like an assistant uh, brewing job um, at another local place, kind of learned so more what not to do than what to do. Um, wasn't really happy with what I was doing there because it was like one of those situations where you didn't really get to branch out, try new things, you know, uh, have some little fun. It was more brew our core recipes and that's that. Um, so from there, um, I had met my current business partner and we were basically out drinking one night and I was like, when are we going to open a brewery? And he was like, I've been waiting for you to ask me that. And all the best business ideas. Yeah, we literally started working on the business plan the next day. How long ago was that? So we will be open four years in November. Oh, wow. Awesome. That's awesome. So yeah. we always ask everybody who comes on the show, uh, when you think about craft beer, because we debate on when the word craft came about, what was the first craft or maybe premium beer that you remember drinking that you were like, oh, this is different than the macros? Um, so at the time we had a pyramid brewery in Sacramento. So I guess you would consider at that time, first craft beer would have been probably pyramid Hef. Um, outside of that, um, is probably Sierra Nevada pillow. Right on. So you lived in Sacramento as well, huh? Yeah. I'm originally, um, from Rancho Cordova, which is like a Sacramento yeah. suburb. So, yeah. um, I didn't move to Texas until about eight years ago. Yeah. Sacramento's got a great, uh, great beer scene. Yes. Yeah. One of my buddies lived there and he didn't, he's, he's a wine guy. I went out there. He had no idea. It was like three breweries, like three blocks from his house. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this, <laughs> I loved it. I thought Sacktown was great, man. It was, uh, I think one of the first ones I went to there was new Helvetia. Okay. Yeah. And that was like the closest one to his house, like two blocks. You could just walk to it and yeah. I thought they did good beers, but a pretty, pretty cool town. Pretty cool town. What's, what's the yeah, San Antonio? San... Yeah. What's the San Antonio, uh, Bruce scene like? It's emerging, uh, kind of still new. Um, let's see, we're, we're the first brewery in San Antonio to do like the hazy IPAs, pastry stouts, like super like 
fruit, uh, kettle sour, stuff like that. Um, outside of that, San Antonio is more of a traditional feel when it comes to the beer. Right. Uh, more everyday drinking traditional beers because it's so hot and humid here. Uh, this was actually yeah. considered Dos Equis town. Um, so within the last few years, it's obviously starting to transition. We're still a few years behind uh, the, the rest of the current beer scene, but there has been some new breweries popping up over the last two to a year that uh, should be should be uh, pushing San Antonio along a little bit. What's what's the numbers of breweries yeah. now there? I think we're at 18. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. yeah. It's 18 to 20. And you figure San Antonio is the seventh largest city in the United States. Yeah. So, I mean, on the grand scheme of things, that's not that many at all. That's a surprising number to me. That, that's, I mean, well, people think Kansas City's, you know, over overblown. Hell, you lived in Sacramento. Sacramento's got hella breweries. Exactly. And have been there for years. You know what I'm saying? So, we, I think, we, Tony, what do we have, 50 in Kansas City now, maybe? Yeah, we're getting pretty close, yeah. So, you know, but I, I'm like, you, you don't know until you go to some of these other cities. I what mean, do you What do you think kind of sparked that that growth, though, that for it to happen? You said you're only at about 20 now. But what kind of what kind of made it start happening? What was the – was there a catalyst somewhere? Um, so we're kind of the forefront of, like, the new school for San Antonio. Um, so I can say that we have influenced a few breweries as far as some of the styles that they're starting to produce here. Um, even some of the older breweries that weren't making certain styles after they've seen how well we were doing them have started producing them themselves. Um, but also I think people see the gap in San Antonio and the lack of uh, the amount of beer that it currently has. Um, so, you know, there's been a few people that have wanted to race the occasion and, and open up something new here. Are you, are you seeing more restaurants and tap rooms, like start serving more of the craft beers alongside yes, all the so, Dosecki, um, Miller's? A lot, of, uh, a lot of the big restaurants here, um, have started getting more into the like local craft beer. Um, so we've seen that transition and it's actually gone well for us. So even, um, before we got into distribution, so we're signing Silver Eagle now. But for the first three years, we did self-distro. And um, our self-distro between my barman, I mean, my sales manager and um, her her employee at the time, they had us in about 110 locations. Wow. And some of those were super major restaurants, bars, stuff like that. So, you know, we're in like the Papa Doe family locations. All oh, wow. San Antonio. That's uh, awesome. We're in most of the BJ's, 54th Street you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, so I think we've even, um, Hooters and a couple others have reached out recently. So dealing with like our West Coast IPA, for instance, we have the more popular IPA in town. Um, our West Coast IPA before pre-pandemic was outselling all IPAs in town three to one. That's so, pretty exciting. Yeah. You're, you're just now approaching four years and that kind of growth. That's that's pretty exciting. Totally. Keeps me busy for sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> trust trust me, Tony. Much, uh, Tony knows all about that. Yeah, Tony. pretty much for the last four years, um, I've been the only brewer. Uh, we just hired an assistant brewer. <laughs> um, what I guess he's been here for three months now. So like we hired him a week before the pandemic started. Wow. Um, yeah. So um, you know, it's been a little bit of transition to like release some of these duties off but uh yeah. we obviously need the help right now so what what was that like i mean you you hire somebody right right before you know the world falls right so yeah it had right. him it had him worried for a while but 
you know, my whole thing was if if we were to have to fire everybody tomorrow, uh, God forbid, the, the only person that's going to be left are the Brewers. So, I mean, he didn't really have anything too much to worry about. Did you guys have to make some changes in, in, in what you were doing to, to stay uh, Yeah, so um, luckily the city of San Antonio and, and the local cities around us have shown an amazing amount of support. Um, we've actually, as far as like to-go sales have been better uh, during the pandemic than they were pre-pandemic. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing that we mostly lost out on was uh, distribution, which was big because I was brewing about 80 to 100 barrels of our West Coast a month. Um, yeah. But outside of that, at least these small batches have made up for it. So we're running through, you know, anywhere from five to 10 barrels of beer within five minutes on a Friday. So, wow. I mean, we can't, can't complain too much. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's, let's talk about the brewery. Um, Weathered Souls, the name. I, I read about it, but give, give, give the people where that name came from. Yeah, it's more of a uh, ode to Mike's, my business partner, uh, grandfather and father. Um, you know, you kind of weathered the storm, been through a lot, and, and you know, raised to the occasion. So it's an ode to uh, his family members. Sweet. So um, you're drinking a beer. Everybody here, here recently, we drink beers on this show. People want to know what beers are you drinking? So tell people what you're drinking right now from Weather Soul. So I'm drinking a Thrifty Drip. Uh, it's one of our hazy IPAs, Southern Patchson, Citra. I think a little bit of Mosaic. I know there's some Nelson in there. Gotcha. Um, yeah. I mean, you start producing so much beers, you start forgetting what's <laughs> So Tony, what are you drinking over there, man? Uh, I'm drinking uh, Diametrics. Uh, Goes back to Cali. I like that uh, one a lot. Yeah. And yeah. we've got, uh, you know, you know, Kansas City's uh, world champions in, in football. You know that, right? So we got T.D. Tossin, Patrick Mahazy. <laughs> From one of the local breweries here. <laughs> so he doesn't, um, seem, he doesn't seem to be as happy as we are. Well, there's no that. football team in San Antonio, so there's that. I mean, you know. Hey, again, I'm from California, so. Are you, are you, a, are you a, a Raiders fan? No, if I had to choose a football team, it would probably be the Niners, but I'm mostly a basketball fan. Who, who's your team? I'm a Lakers fan. I hear you, man. I am too. <laughs> my uh, my entire family is, well, dad's side of the family is from L.A. So What, what part? Uh, Watts, Compton. Okay, okay, right on. I lived in L.A. for 10 years, man. No, okay. My grandma still is on the laundry. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. That's so. very cool. Now, their beer scene has changed, man. When I lived there 10 years ago, it was yeah, nothing. there weren't any breweries there. Yeah, yeah now it's crazy uh, how LA is picking up for sure. Yeah. yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. I was I was a Lakers fan in the '80s, but there's only one reason. I mean, like we're from Kansas City, we didn't really have anybody to root for. You had the Kings the back Kings. in the day. My mom tells me I went to a game, but I don't remember it, so I don't count it. But the only reason I decided to root for the Lakers is because in the '80s, my brothers were rooting for the Celtics. I mean, I mean, is there any better reason to choose a team, right, than no, there isn't. your brother? <laughs> <laughs> hey, let's talk about you know. Being a person of color, you know, you're one of a handful of head brewers that are black. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. How was it coming up for you? Because obviously, you know, you're, 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 it's an anomaly. I mean, what's that um, been, what's that, what's that experience been like for you? In all honesty, I've been fortunate. I haven't had not one issue uh, getting into the beer industry uh, from when I was a consumer, what was that, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, to being in the industry now. Um, and especially because uh, I'm 
so basically like my brewing path i have some traditional training from some traditional old school brewers uh but then i'm also part of that new school where you know we're doing the fun stuff right um but for me just based off of the people that have mentored me and shown love from the jump so like mike moraz from moraz brewing company in el dorado hills like i mean he had a brothers and beer uh i don't know if a lot of so let me backtrack so okay <laughs> Uh, dealing with like uh, when we were consumers, we were pushing for uh, equality and people of color way back then. So ten years ago, like when Instagram, when I first hopped on Instagram, we had Brothers and Beer, which is this image back here. So Brothers and Beer uh, had started way back when it was me and my brother and my cousin, and it was basically you know on the homebrew level, consumer level, mm -hmm. uh, basically creating inclusion for people of color within the brewing industry. Um, that took away from when I moved to San Antonio, my cousin and brother got kind of lazy with it and it kind of just fell off. <laughs> but then you know that the, the for instance, the um, Brothers and Craft Beer group, right. that originally stemmed from that picture right there. Gotcha. Jimmy used to be, Jimmy used to follow me years ago and that's how he ended up coming out with that group. So me and my brother and my cousin are like the forefathers for the inclusive stuff for the new school uh, people of color that are currently in the industry. A lot of people don't know it because I don't talk about it. Right. Gotcha. Um, but outside of that, um, you know, way back then, uh, like, for instance, we used to go to Russian River, went to Younger, for instance, had the entire bar chance Brothers and Beer. Uh, Mike Moraz was a huge supporter of it. We had a Brothers and Beer Black IPA when Black IPAs were like a thing. Right. Um, so that's how we first started out. So from there, um, after going into consumer, I pretty much um, started volunteering at Mike's place, different things like that. Um, even when I moved to Texas, um, you know, being a craft beer fan, I'm going to Jester King. So at Jester, I'm first in line for an Atrio release. Got to meet Jeff. <laughs> told him I'm a, you know, home brewer, that type of thing. Um, he started sampling beers and, you know, we developed kind of a friendship from there. So, I mean, even he's been a huge mentor for the fact we've, you know, he helped guide us into opening a brew pub versus a brewery. Um, has introduced me to a fine, a lot of people. Um, but I mean, in all honesty, my whole thing has always been if you make great beer, it really doesn't matter what color you are. And That's people true. Are gonna support, and people are going to support you anyway. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, there's a few strays that don't feel that way. Right. But the majority of craft beer to me, I think we're in the most inclusive industry. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at the percentages, okay, there's 5,000 breweries and then there's 60 black breweries. Okay. Right. So that number is way off skew, right? Right. But if you want to get in the industry, nobody is stopping any of us from getting in the industry. True. Um, and, you know, and for me, I've had nothing but garnered support from everybody that I've ever been involved with in the brewing industry. Um, so, I mean, for that, I mean, my brewing path and career has been amazing so far. Right. One of the, you know, I kind of the, to link this to the, all the broader conversations that we're all talking about as, as a country, though, as you talk about, okay, there's, there's no, nobody really or nothing really blocking more people of color to come into the industry, but, but should there still at the same time be more, more of inviting people, in, people of color into the industry? I mean, is that still something? So what I think that it is is because the industry is predominantly white male, people make the assumption that it's not inclusive. 
But, um, you know, outside of the assumptions, it's way far from that. Right. Um, you know, um, just generally from the people that I've seen, the people that support the stuff. I mean, you look at the Black is Beautiful initiative. We've had almost 700 breweries <laughs> sign crazy. on in two weeks. Right. There's no other industry in the entire world that's doing something at this magnitude that right. we're doing with the Black is Beautiful initiative. The brewing industry is doing that. So, I mean, you, to say that it's not inclusive or it doesn't support certain certain uh, aspects is completely false. Um, like I said, you know, there's obviously strays and, right. um, you know, being in certain parts of the United States where um, it's still not uh, that of, of, you know, accepting for black business owners because I've seen that situation. Yes, it can definitely be an issue. But for the majority of the brewing industry, it's very inclusive. Yeah, because I, 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 you know, I work at two breweries, and there's nothing but love. And even exactly. Kansas, wherever I go, it's you know, most most breweries, everybody's cool. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm with you. It's pretty inclusive, you know. But we always talk about sometimes if you don't know about it, unless I teach you how you know to know about craft. Yep. You're not exposed to it. How are you supposed to know? So, you know, and that's, that's kind what, of and that's what, you know, a lot of the new school people of color that are in the industry have to do. You know, right. it's that you receive that information. Go ahead and teach one. Exposure. And that's something that that I've always done um, as somebody that's in the industry. So even, you know, on my brew floor, for instance, I have three people of color in my brew floor. That's awesome. Now, two of them might look white. But they're actually, <laughs> you know, they're, they actually like one of them's half Puerto Rican. I think right. the other one's half right. Asian. But either way, you know, it's it it takes all of us to be able to support the initiative and inclusion and bringing people in. Absolutely. And I think as people understand that they're you know the craft beer industry is not as uh, as Caucasian as people think it is, um, then more people of color, more black people, and stuff like that will start filtering in. Uh, you know, it's. <laughs> And I, every, it's, I feel like I talk about Fresh Fest every show, right? Because that blew Cause my you're mind. Because you're going to get a sponsorship for us. <laughs> Let's hope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, for, for me, you know, because Kansas, Kansas City beer scene is pretty, pretty white. But yeah. to go to Fresh Fest and the symposium and going to the festival, I was like, I had no idea that was, there was that many black people in the beer. I mean, that was, it was a watershed moment for me. I, but mm -hmm. What did you think when you went? Was, did you go to the first year? Oh, was, it was, was amazing. So, yeah, uh, so... Um, I mean, I obviously signed on for this year. So I thought the festival was amazing. The reception and the amount of people that was there was great. Yeah. You know, the highlight people of color and the other black breweries that typically don't get highlighted. I mean, uh, just like me and Kenny at Hop Culture, we were having a conversation not too long ago. And, you know, the industry might not be non-inclusive, but you look at these big beer festivals, you know, these um, hype brewery festivals and different things like that it tends not to be a lot of minority breweries involved in it whatsoever. And so these breweries aren't getting their name out there. They're not getting the shine that some of them should be. Right. I mean, just like, I mean, I'll be honest, like there should have been a couple of festivals I felt we should have been in that we yep. weren't in. Hell but, yeah. You know, Hell outside yeah. of that, um, outside of that, you know, I think um, pushing those type of initiatives and pushing for inclusion in those ways are also going to help. Um, so Fresh Fest definitely, um, you know, is at the forefront of that as far as the path that is taking to start highlighting some of these breweries. Yeah, I don't know the scene at all. How hard is it to get into the the bigger brew fests? Well, when I say like the bigger ones, I'm talking about more of the like uh, hype 
brewery beer festivals and most of those are tend to be uh you know these breweries have kind of garnered their friendships with with large groups and stuff like that which is fine uh but you know sometimes you gotta start highlighting other people yeah, yeah yeah i just didn't know what that what that process was like to you know to fill out applications or whatever i mean is it is it is it like art festivals where you, you know you got to get judged <laughs> to get in or pay you 25 dollars? right yeah I, mean, I, didn't, I didn't know what that was like at all to, to try to to grow your 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 brewery awareness your market brand and hey, hey, get in there and marcus as these two cats will tell you i've been repping you guys because literally as much beer as i drank at, at fresh fest i was blown uh-huh. away blown away by what you guys did the stouts i was like I, I kept coming back. I said, I hung out at y'all's little mm-hmm. spot. Um, what, what style, what's, what's your favorite style to brew? Do you have a style that you like to brew? Uh, my favorite, um, probably my favorite style would probably be stouts. Okay. Um, just because of the amount of different things that we typically do with them. Uh, but my favorite will probably be our French press series, which is the single coffee series that we do. Um, so basically, uh, we do like a milk uh, stout base and then pair it with a single origin coffee from a different country each time mm-hmm. and then create a f- flavor profile based on a famous dessert from that country. Oh, that's cool. I mean, that's super cool. Salt. You sold. Um, yeah. So uh, that would probably be, those are probably be my favorite. So gotcha. Like, Let's take a little short break so we can give, Nick looks thirsty, so. I'm always thirsty. I'm going to get the golf bag. You, you said how your, your business plan came over drinks. That's exactly how this podcast Yeah, that's how, <laughs> at 9 a.m., drinking coffee with whiskey. Drink, drinking, drinking bourbon coffees. Yes. All right, what do we got in here? I have no idea. I'm going to say, too, I love the Weathered Souls logo. Thank you. And it's 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 almost like a little bit like you crossed uh, the S from the Seattle Mariners and the King from Sacramento. <laughs> I, I like it. It's good. <laughs> it's a terrible description. <laughs> Take a look at it. I mean, I, it's I, the King's I, logo. I know the hat. That is not the King's logo. No, it's definitely not the King's logo. I'm not a King fan in the That's what I'm saying. You you offended him. What do you got there, Nick? There we go. We got a uh, Vanessa House beer company. It's a coffee maple, man, I'm old. Coffee maple syrup or maple stout ale. Crow's Nest is what it's called. Okay, crack that open. Crack it open. So that brewery's out of, out of Oklahoma go. City. Yeah, okay. There we go. Um, it's actually, that brewery um, actually has a, a minority owner as well, one of the, uh, as a brother no. part of the minority group, minority group, so, or part of the group, so. But they do some really cool beers. They, they actually started out, they had almost like uh, a place in Oklahoma City where for, for the folks, the brewers who couldn't afford a brewery, so there were like five or six breweries in this co-op and they just brewed, you know, their beers, but they were still distributing. But now Vanessa house was able to get their own spot in downtown, downtown Oklahoma city. And they do some, some really cool stuff. Nice. I love the play off the Denny's logo. That looks like a Denny's logo for sure. <laughs> I'm surprised we haven't got a few cease and desist. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about uh, black is beautiful. Cause like I said, Tony and I, and, well, that is breakfast tea. No, that's good. That's good beer that is, right there. That's that's breakfast beer. Mm-hmm. So that recipe and that idea, that it was a three. What was it? Three M. That's when you thought of. Is that what? Yeah, happened? pretty much. Well, let's um, let's start at the beginning. What what is what is the the blackest beer? Yeah, go ahead and give us the story. Yeah. So, 
um, pretty much what the Black is Beautiful initiative is a call to, at this point, it's worldwide. I think we're in 14, 15 different countries. Um, so a worldwide collaboration um, amongst all the breweries uh, to participate in the Stout. And that Stout, uh, the proceeds basically go to um, police brutality reform and uh, legal fees. And so what the goal of the Stout is, is basically to support equality, inclusion, um, raise, uh, basically raise conversation amongst breweries and their communities. Um, as far as how the process came about, I was kind of disappointed in myself for not participating in the local protests that happened in San Antonio the first weekend. And so I was trying to think of a way as a black business owner, how I could try to give back, how I can try to participate. Um, and so originally I was going to come out with the black is beautiful beer, just a stout, um, on our own. Um, in the process of that, I was having a like race relations conversation with Jeff from Jester King earlier that day, and I sent him the uh, label. And so uh, basically, he challenged me to make it bigger than that, to turn it wow. into a collaboration. Wow. So I spent basically all night uh, coming up with a mission statement. Once I had a mission statement that I felt uh, spoke what I wanted the goal to be and I spent the rest of the night writing the initiative so got up three four o'clock in the morning came to the brewery and just spent the next literal seven hours writing out this initiative writing the recipe uh getting the label situated and then like I think Kevin sent me uh Kevin Dyer who did the label sent me the label I think four minutes before my meeting um <laughs> and i was like all right uh basically to my business partner my sales manager and my bar manager like this is what we're gonna do and we're gonna post this within like the next couple hours yeah so um one thing that we've always done here is not um go out and pay for promotion and different things like advertisement and stuff like that so to see us almost hit 700 breweries just based off of organic sharing and posting other breweries wanting to get involved has been amazing so far without so, without actually like reading your your mission statement we, what what is your goal what what i guess what's the thing you're trying to say if this is this is how you're going to use your voice during this um, discussion so what, are you, what are you trying to say so basically what this goal is, is to bring about conversation, right? Um, obviously, the beer in itself is a wonderful thing, but this initiative isn't just about the beer. The beer is getting the message out, but we need to continue past that, right? Because once the beer comes out, then people are going to forget about it in a few months, and then what? The conversation stops. But what the goal is and uh, what my thought process was as far as people donating locally um, that's now opening discussions and conversations amongst these breweries with their local community. Uh, that's making those local breweries a voice for their local communities and people of color and different things like that. So typically, you know, as, as people of color, we don't have many entities of people supporting uh, us and our voice as far as what we want. There's always that rebuttal, always that but, something along those lines. Um, so with this initiative, now we have a basically a large group of people that are showing support for their communities. And what the goal is, is hopefully that these breweries go ahead and implement programs within uh, themselves. So like Fremont, for instance, they started doing, uh, they're going to implement equality classes for their staff. And um, there's some breweries offering internships and different things like that. And that's what the most important aspect is 
is the inclusion and the equality and basically creating a form of respect for their community and the people of color there. Right. It's it, we're up to we're up to seven here in Kansas City. They're going to do it. But I've I've heard from several other brewers that are planning on on doing it. And it just so happens we've got one of the brewers here, Tony DiPlacido yeah. of Windshift Brewing. So Tony, just to get you to chime in, when when you heard about it, and you know, what were your thoughts, and what made you want to get involved? Lynn and I had kind of talked a little bit about what we could do. Um, we always have a monthly charity to support the community, but this this is a much bigger. Um, I kind of I think we all feel enough is enough, and it's it's time to start doing something. And uh, it was actually Ryan Triggs over at uh, Kansas Hop Company who found this and he sent me the link and instantly it was like uh yeah this is this is something we want to get involved with we had we'd already reached out to race project kc to see you know what we could do and we thought about uh brewing something for that but uh this is much bigger and like marcus said this is this is raising the conversation globally and uh a lot of change needs to happen and and i, I like you said, uh, hopefully it continues after this beer is gone. I mean, I, I think we're going to get a little bit more reach this way. Yeah, I like that you're, you're actually, Mark, is kind of linking it to other things, though, where money money is going to something, right? So so people are instituting programs. Um, to, it's, it goes beyond the conversation because I think, I think when we talk to people, right, it, you can go to a rally, you can, you can, you can speak up, and you can, you can make a beer. But what's what's next? And so I, I think that's interesting that you you when you came up with this, you thought of the what's next. Yeah, um, I know that even based on um, I have some friends that are like in the financial industry, like financial industry, and one of them texted me yesterday and was saying that based off all the breweries involved, you know, even doing a five barrel batch, if they were to donate a hundred percent of the proceeds, we're almost at about three and a half to four million dollars worth of donations right That's so awesome. just to be able so just to be able to spit that amount of money locally amongst different organizations and different things that are going to support their communities like that's amazing that's fantastic what what, what was your reaction when everybody's jumping on start jumping on board it was probably crazy wasn't it it was um originally my goal was like to have like 150 200 breweries maybe that got involved i mean you know like people know who we are but people don't know who we are right so um once we passed that 202 days i was like all right i think this is actually going to be something that's going to grow and people are going to go on to so my goal right now i think we're almost at 700 today marks two weeks so my goal is to try to at least get to nine we'll see what happens so um, I do know that the I had a good conversation with the Brewers Association today. Um, they're going to be showing their full support as of Wednesday. Um, so being said that, you know, them reaching other breweries, people that might not know about us, their 40,000, uh, right. you know, a newsletter platform that right. should also help get the word out and hopefully some more breweries sign on. So all, all these breweries are going to send you the beer, right? <laughs> I hope so. Right? <laughs> We're going to send some. <laughs> you know, you, you you said you kind of started playing with the idea because you 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 felt a little bad that you didn't go to the go to the rallies that first first weekend when things started. Does seeing everyone jump on board and you see people like Tony, who's you know, what eight hour drive away from you, nine hour drive away from you, that are doing? Does that make you feel a little better? Does that ease some of? I, um, it's been a very humbling experience for sure. 
just the amount of people that want to support the initiative, uh, the amount of people that have just reached out and support in general, um, because it's been very overwhelming. Um, me, basically, me and my sales manager has been running this whole thing outside of uh, Stout Collective and um, Stout Collective helping out with the website, uh, maintaining that and stuff. But anything outside of that, it's been pretty much me and my sales manager. Um, so it's been very overwhelming these last two weeks, uh, especially the first week. We pretty much weren't sleeping. It was just <laughs> literally just like, seriously, it was just literally response after response. After you, response. you launched a whole other business. Yeah. Interview after interview after interview. And even at this point, I think this week I still have about eight interviews uh, already set up. So you know, the momentum's still there, everything's still going, but it's been a very overwhelming, um, very humbling experience for sure. And I just have to keep my tell, you know, I just keep telling myself uh, that this isn't for me. So we'll ride it out as long as we can ride it out. But you know, the, the, the great thing about this, that, that this is, is, yeah, it's not for you, but at the same time, it is for you. Your, your, your heart is in the right place. So you're going to reap you're going to reap a whole bunch of shit out of this. I'm telling you. It's yeah, going to happen. That's not I, mean, the goal, I know, I know yeah. that's not, I, I, mean, I know, you know that's know, not the goal, but now to do collaborations yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. And that's not the goal. Especially like some of like my bucket list collaborations, like, you know, but at the end of the day, um, and with just like, for instance, we have the campaign starting with custom meat today. Right. Mm. So all of the merchandise, uh, is available on custom meat for the black and beautiful. And basically what they did was a fundraiser. So once they meet, meet their uh, minimum, and I think it's like 17 shirts or something like that, then all of the money past that, a certain amount gets donated to the um, Know Your Rights camp. Um, so even then, originally, they had our logo and stuff like that on the merchandise, and I had to remove it. I mean, you know, it's... So it's not so, about the brewery. Yeah, right. So we'll, what, what, we'll, what sell kind of... some, we'll sell some Black is Beautiful merch at the brewery that will have our logo on it. Um, but the overall message is much deeper than that, more important than that. So I've tried to not make it about me or the brewery at all. Sure, sure. The, uh, the forefront and the, the catalyst of, of getting this started. What kind of things is, is Custom Inc. Put, putting out there? Oh, they, I got to choose everything. So oh, nice. Nice. great quality, great quality sweatshirts. So champion sweatshirt, champion t-shirts. Uh, we ended up getting a new era snapback. And then uh, there's a running joke that I'm always in, uh, like flip flop slides. So we got, uh, yeah. So we got some uh, black is beautiful slides too. Sweet. So when is that stuff available? So people can go. It's available now. Oh, everybody get the uh, custom so ink. Posted, yeah, we posted the link on our Facebook page and I think Instagram, and people can go ahead and start purchasing. Cool, cool, cool. You ready for another beer? Oh, you haven't drank that one beer. He's, that one. he's busy talking. Sorry. I was busy talking. I was like, <laughs> like, 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 hearing people tell stories is what I do. Yeah. I, I, there's nothing better. So. so, you know, so Marcus, one of my things here in Kansas City is, you know, trying to get some, and we kind of touched on this earlier, what's trying to get some more color in some of these tap rooms, right? Um, and, you know, we, you know, we did, we did a, uh, uh, I Am Craft, Shalanda, when she started that business, you know, Afro Beer Chick, we did a, one of those events here. All the breweries were down about it and that sort of thing but now it's time for action so you know anytime i get on on one of these podcasts i'm like okay i'm always picking brains to say, well, how do we how do we broach or reach out to to people of color and say hey 
there's this in your neighborhood or, or things like that. What's, what's it been like for you to, cause I, I'm not even a, sure. I'll give you a story about okay. how I am into regards to that. You guys okay. can kind of take it from it. So, um, how I am into regards of, uh, people of color, black people in the craft beer. Again, it's, you gotta, you gotta teach people, right? You gotta, right. you gotta promote it. You gotta push them in it. So when I first moved out here, I think for literally nine months, I didn't see not one black person drink craft beer, right? So I'm in H-E-B doing grocery shopping, that type of thing. And finally, I see a black person <laughs> in, the, in the craft beer aisle looking at craft beer, right? And he probably thought I was like stalking him or something. <laughs> you know, thought I was going to try to hit on him or something. Because I'm like sitting there like looking to see what he gets, right? So they kind of judge his palate from there. Like, all right, is he going to grab some good beers? going to be pissy. So I sit there and watch him grab everything I finish up. So we had just so happened to get in the same aisle. So I know really then, like, he probably thought I was stalking his <laughs> So then I finally introduced myself and told him, I was like, you know, my name is Marcus, you know, been heavily into craft beer for a long time. At that point, I was already in the planning of opening the brewery. Uh, so, you know, I'm in the process of opening the brewery. You know, I don't see too many brothers drink beer around here, that type of thing. Uh, we ended up exchanging numbers. I took him to his first bottle share. Now nice. that dude is deeper, almost deeper into craft beer than I am. Is that I mean, right? As far as like the training, yeah, he's all into the trading and razzles and driving halfway across the country for bottle release. Oh, shit. What was yeah, he picking up know, from H-E-B? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did he have uh, in his cart so, when you met him? And it just, co- it just so happened from a conversation in H-E-B. And what did so, he have in his yeah. cart? Um, I can't even <laughs> tell you. I think at that time it was like uh, – what we had out here was like founders and great divide and stuff oh, like right. that. You figure this is like six years ago. So what's what what's what's uh, what's the demographic of, of your of your tap room? What do you see in there? Um, my tap room is mostly middle aged Caucasian male and middle aged Caucasian women. Um, but you know we have the younger crowd that comes through too. Uh-huh. Um, the, there's a new brewery. Well, they're newer. They've been open almost two years called Isla Street. Um, they've been bringing in a lot more of the Hispanic uh, culture now. Oh, uh, wow. Just because of the vibe of the brewery that they mm-hmm. have. Uh, right. Super Mexican brewery. Everything they do is Mexican, you know, that type of stuff. So that's they've smart. been bringing in that culture. Yeah. Um, and then actually, since the um, initiative, I've been seeing more black people than I've ever seen strolling into our brewery. I love it. I think, yeah, like over the weekend, I probably seen about 50 black people. I've wow. Seen, like, I love it. To our location. And it was just based off of catching the, um, one of the local interviews. So, um, I think it's going to start to shift and we'll see a little bit of difference going forward. That's what, cool. You've been doing a ton of interviews. Have you done a lot of local ones there in, in San Antonio? Yeah. I've done a lot of interviews period. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've done a few local, Austin, uh, Houston, you know, that type of stuff. But we've hit all the local news channels here. Um, We've done, what, CNN, Forbes, Lish, The Wine. Um, So, yeah, it's been been good. Um, I know the Brewers Association said they're going to start reaching out to some of their media platforms. So, you know, hopefully, again, the initiative just keeps growing from here. Well, look, good on you for the inspiration, man, because – like I said, it's resonated here in Kansas City, and we got it because you know, at least here in Kansas City, we've got we've got three female head brewers, and one okay. of the breweries, and one of the breweries is owned by a female. So nice. you know, so they're they're really on the forefront of trying. San Antonio, to, we have two. 
two females. Uh, Kunzler, yeah, Kunzler Brewing. Uh, that's owned by Vera. Um, she's a German-inspired brewery, and then uh, Cactus Land. It's uh, Erica and her husband Dustin. But we okay. all know that we all know that Erica does all the good beer. <laughs> <laughs> We're just so, gonna send that clip right to her. So, what, what was the inspiration for the the recipe of the, of the Black is Beautiful beer? Was there an inspiration um, behind so, that? You know, we do more pastry stuff, but I I figured you know for the mass consumption of of a ten percent stout during summer, a lot of people aren't gonna want a heavy pastry stout. So I tried to uh, create a more balanced beer. Um, with still the high ABV, and then if people want to turn it more into the dessert pastry style, uh, then they can go ahead and do that. So we left it, basically I try to create a style that's basically an open canvas, and then everybody has their paintbrush to go ahead and, and change it however they want to go ahead. Yeah, to Tony was asking me, what should we put in there? I said, let's find some buckwheat honey, but we couldn't <laughs> yeah, find exactly. it. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting to see like some of the creative stuff that occurs like I I was in the uh, group chat for the answer and uh, I think one of theirs I can't really say what they're putting in it but one of theirs is probably one of the most excited that I'm about um, and I can't wait to see like what some of these other people start yeah. putting out as far as the now, beer goes. I know nothing about about brewing and about brew recipes first off y'all are way too big of math nerds and chemistry nerds for me um, <laughs> but, but how do you how do you come up with a recipe they're like I want to get a good recipe but I want to leave it open. I want to leave a little bit of room for everybody else to right, play with yeah. that. that seems uh, to me. And again, as far as, I know nothing. as far as recipe development, when it kind of depends. So if you're choosing a more classic style, you kind of already have a guide to what you're going to use as far as the green goes. Uh, for us, I have about four different style bases that I use depending on what I'm trying to achieve. Um, so I've gotten pretty good at producing, you know, recipes for stouts. Uh, so this was more so something where people can hit that super black color that I love. You know, they still implement the uh, the longer boils. It's still going to be that mid to full body stout that people want that full body chewy viscosity to. But then also the actual small profiles pretty much open. So you're going to get some of those chocolate characteristics, obviously from the chocolate malt. Um, a little roasted character from the black malt, but nothing is overbearing. So it leaves that kind of openness for people to go ahead and start implementing other things into the beer. Well, when we were doing it Saturday, and Tony will attest, we're like, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> good. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. We, we did molasses. So, that would be good. Yeah, I think. So we got three variations coming out. We did a base version where we're not going to add anything to it. Um, we did a version with our homies at Isla Street. That's going to be pecans, caramel, and sugar cookies. Oh, wow. And then uh, we're doing a Rwandan coffee and hazelnut version. Nice. So one of our most popular beers ever was uh, a beer called Rwandan French Press. Uh, so basically, we're going to recreate that with the Black and Beautiful uh, recipe. And we have some single source uh, Rwandan coffee that just arrived today that we'll be using for it. Do you, do you Which remember? Which is kind of cool because we had a brewery in Rwanda sign on for. I saw that. I was that's like, awesome. that's, that's crazy. Is that is that crazy to you to see? I mean, to see this, all of this stuff is happening not just here in the states, but I mean, you look around, you watch the news. There are there are rallies and protests and conversations about this happening everywhere, right all around now. the world. And it needs to be. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I mean, I didn't know Rwanda had a beer scene, <laughs> to be honest I with you. I didn't either. Yeah, when that signed over, I was like, man. The, the, the guy, like, take a trip now. <laughs> Tony, how much did you did you let Nigel just have free reign to come make this one, or do you keep him on a tight leash? Let's, uh, disclaimer, though. <laughs> I, so, so, Marcus, I've been in a homebrew group for 10 years, right? Uh, I've never brewed at home. I ain't never had no kit. I ain't never – the only place I've brewed – because I've got all these friends who have opened breweries. They're like, you want to brew a beer? Well, I got ideas. Yeah, hell so yeah, that means you've gone to people's house and drink all day. Then. Yes, <laughs> so you know the deal. <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm like quality assurance. He just described this entire podcast. Exactly. <laughs> did you give him free reign, Tony? I did, yeah. Uh, we Was say scary? No, I've just been in the brew house, what, three, four times now? Well, the funny thing is, he's like, I've never brewed a beer. Well, the last, we just, I just, we just did a beer that ins was inspired by other half brewing. So, okay. Oh, you uh, did oh, they all together? Yeah. No, no, no. I, when I went to, I went to that pastry town in March. Okay. That, that pastry, uh, that ridiculous beer festival with, with wrestling. And so they had oat cream IPAs, and I'd never heard of them. So I came back and told Tony, I'm like, you ever heard of this? He's like, nope. He's like, let's brew it. So, <laughs> so we brewed it. He's like, I've never brewed a beer not knowing what, was, what it was going to be like. I just went on your word. I'm like, trust me, it's going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> so we put it out Friday, and, and people loved it. And, and if, if, if you can get a woman who doesn't even – she came and asked for uh, Bud, Bud Light or something. Yeah. And I gave her a few tasters, and I gave her that, that oak cream IPA. And it's 8%. She's like, oh, that's good. And this is a woman who doesn't drink IPAs. So I'm like, we're winning right there. You know what I'm saying? So I have ideas. I may not know how to ex execute it, but I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, are you ready for another? Should we do the mystery? Yeah, we'll do, we got? We'll do one, more, one more mystery, mystery and we're going we're gonna, to, I know Marcus has probably got, you probably got another interview in like 20 minutes, don't you? No, I don't have an interview. I got a, um, actually, so a, a little over a year ago, we did a collaboration with Claim Steak out of Rancho Cordova. Uh, my really good homie, Brian Palmer, uh, they own a brewery there. And so they came down, we did an American Barley Wine, and H did in uh, Weller 107 and then Weller 12 Barrels. Oh. Um, so I'm actually getting ready to transfer that to Bright's. And then um, I'm going home Father's Day weekend to actually go brew at Claim Steak with about nice. six or seven other breweries from uh, Sacramento. They're going to do a huge collaboration brew day for the Black is Beautiful initiative. Oh, um, so in the That's process awesome. of that, I'm also going to be uh, getting about six stouts ready uh, for this weekend for a little stout tap uh, takeover that we're going to do at the brewery. So how, how big is the brewery? How, what's, uh, what's your system? I have a 20-barrel, three-vessel oh, system. Damn. How big is your tap room? Yeah, we have a lot of fermentation space as well. I have two twenties, four forties, two forty horizontal lager tanks, two seven barrels, uh, two two barrels, six one barrels for like super small batch stuff. Wow! Um, I got two more ten barrels coming in that we just purchased uh, since the pandemic. Um, so yeah, how big? How big your facility? Um, it's a decent size. We have a lot of <laughs> we have a lot of warehouse space. Brew okay, house, got you. Brewhouse is, is kind of compact. Uh, okay. But we have a lot, a lot of warehouse space. And how many taps? What's your tap room like? Yeah. Uh, so currently we have 13 taps. 
Um, but we have a partnership with uh, Taprite, where they're show showroom brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're actually getting a new tap uh, system implemented in within the next uh, month or two. More taps. So I think we're about to. Yeah, I think we're going up to twenty-five taps. That's now, where are you? Is your is your tap room open? How are you guys in San Antonio? Yeah. So we're at fifty percent capacity right now. Um, so we opened up about two weeks ago. Still How- keeping uh, still keeping curbside open but uh, we're allowing uh, people to come inside and then outside can have 100% capacity. There's no how, how How's the response been? Are people are people ready to come back out? Man, it's crazy because it's like people still need to stay in the house, but the amount of people <laughs> that have still been flooding into the brewery is crazy. Like this weekend was, you know, like a weekend, like uh, we were actually at like full capacity as far as, um, as far as what we made in the tap room. So yeah. it's going pretty well. Yeah, what? I know yeah, that. I think it- there has been a few bars uh, and restaurants that have closed back down over the last really? week because their employees or somebody has gotten COVID. Uh, so we've just been trying to manage our best practices. Right. I don't even have my brew door open on the brew floor right now. So I don't have any customer contact. My brewers don't have any customer contact right. or anything like that. I, I feel like, and everybody's probably dealing with this, where it's it, everybody's fighting that. I know we should be a little bit more safe still, but man, I'm tired of being inside. I got to get out. Exactly. And even I had to like, you know, talk to my wife about that recently uh, because, you know, her and the kids went to the grocery store and I'm like, you do store eyes. There's a pandemic, right? (laughs) (laughs) Kids don't need to be at the store. So, you know, you still have to kind of check yourself like uh, and still be cautious with everything going on because I think people are starting to get a little bit lack uh, because people are ready to get out and people are ready to go back to their regular routines. But, you know, I think we still have a little while to go. Well, Tony would tell, tell you last weekend he opened last week up opened up the uh, the tap room and that was that was the first day I've been back behind the bar in what three months or whatever, and they were coming for their beer. Those I bet. <laughs> the beer <laughs> they were, I bet. and we're not we're not even doing full hours till next weekend, so we're yeah. closing at eight. No, we were there till eleven o'clock because <laughs> <laughs> they kept coming. I was like, well, Tony was like, well, got to keep got to keep the people happy. Yeah, got to keep, keep it going, right? Yeah, I mean, well, I think both of them will talk about too. I mean, just the just the to go orders of the cans have just been crazy. Yeah, how was that for you guys, Marcus? Oh, it's been great. Uh, my staff is canning anywhere from four hundred to twelve hundred uh, crawlers in a Friday. That's oh, just Friday. God. So wow. yeah, um, things have been great. I've been I've been asking all the all the brewers we talked to this is, you know, you compare that your number. It, it, is it enough? Was the to go enough? Yeah. Did it cover? Yeah. Um, we didn't have to let any employees go. I want to even say at some point um, they got a little bonus. Um, <laughs> nice. I didn't get one, but staff <laughs> did. Um, so, you know, outside of that, um, we were able to take care of everybody. Um, I mean, we bought two new tanks since the pandemic. So for yeah. us, it hasn't been too bad at all. That's yeah. fa- that is fantastic that you've, you've not only have what been now, weathering I know the storm. Some breweries, but- I know some breweries that have been doing so well during the pandemic that they might not even open their tap room back open. Yeah. Cause the goes, yeah. Cause yeah, the goes, there's no reason to, and then you have less overhead. You're not paying as many employees and you know, if you're still yeah. selling more beer and they don't have outside distribution, then what's the point of opening the tap room if you can maintain the to go orders? I mean, literally I have three breweries within walking distance from my house. So I don't normally keep beer, 
but I was buying beer just to support the local. And so I got this refrigerator full of beer. I'm like, I need to drink this shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, I, I get it. I get that decision, but it's a part of part of the craft brews though is are those local tap rooms and like just yeah, I like to I like I like it. to be at the bar. I don't need to be sitting at home drinking. That's no fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a people person. <laughs> Ni- Nigel, you so, did it. Look, one last beer. You, we're going to we're we're let Marcus go. <laughs> so look, just some historical. Uh, oh God. He doesn't like pickles. The devil's food. He thinks it's devil's food, but I've got I don't know it. why got, you would ruin there's a, there's a perfectly a pickle good cucumber. Beer, a pickle beer. I agree. I'm not a pickle fan either. So there, there's that, that is it Martin House in the uh, in uh, Oh yeah, I came out with that pickle beer. Dude, it was fire, dude. The dead armadillo. Yeah, this pickle recovery. Yeah, I think they're out of Oklahoma City as well. Oh. Or somewhere. That, but, this that, is you know. not gonna be good. We're gonna look, we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna get his reaction. We're gonna it's then we're crazy gonna... because um there's like a ongoing uh, joke about San Antonio right now because there's like we have two different craft beer groups in San Antonio. So there's mm-hmm. like the influential actual craft beer group where it's mostly people in the group that drink craft. And then it's like the everyday consumer that's in the craft beer group. And all they've been ranting and raving about is that pickle beer. And everybody <laughs> else has been like, ah, oh, you guys don't know. What about. So, well, I told Nigel when we started this, when he when he came to me and said, I got shit I want to say. I want to show. And then we started talking beer and I said, I, I will agree. I will drink. I will try everything, but I'm going to, I'm afraid I'm going to regret this. <laughs> it's, it's not good as, as the Martin house one, but it's okay. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I'm scared. I'm a little, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I'm a, I'm a little frightened of this. If we can get you to throw up on camera, that'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is kind of like, is, is it Jimmy Fallon when they bring the animals on? Yeah. This is kind of how yeah. I feel right now. It's not bad. I mean, it's not something I would drink a lot of, but it's, you know, for what it is, I mean, these days, I mean, anything goes, oh, right? Is- What's the craziest thing you've done, Marcus, beer-wise? Um, I would consider a lot of the stout stuff crazy. But probably the most craziest beer that we did was Mo Pastry, Mo Problems. And then what's crazy is one of <laughs> our high-rated – It's one of our highest-rated beers, yeah. And so originally it was a troll beer. Like, it was like, all right. I'm just going to throw every extra, like, adjunct that we have in this cooler right now, this barrel-edged stout, and we're going to release it, and it's going to be a sweet, disgusting mess, and I bet you everybody's going to like it. (laughs) (laughs) And and basically, it turned into one of our, like, most popular barrel-aged beers. That's awesome. (laughs) That beer has, it has brownie batter, coconut, cacao nibs, vanilla, Oreos, and I, I want to say there's one more sweet ass adjunct in it, but we just did our um, like actual. So we've only done crawlers of those. Um, so we did our first official bottle release. So batch three um, two weeks ago, and that sold out within minutes. Yeah, I'd, I'd have drank that, that. That's that's like that's like the suicide. You know, when you're 13, you go to the Seven Eleven, you hit all the fountains. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, yeah, I'd have drank that shit. <laughs> I got a little bit of everything in there. I guess, Nigel and I talk a lot about how you should never rate a beer bad. No, it might not be your style. That don't mean you got to rate it bad. So, I got to tell you, I there are. It's okay to rate a beer bad if it's a bad beer. What people should do, what people shouldn't do, is rate beers based on styles that they like. So you see those comments. Oh, I don't like IPAs, so I'm gonna give this a two. <laughs> well, it's like you don't like IPAs, so hello, why are you drink for why you right? drinking it. Yeah. Two. Why are you rating it? Just so you can take it, and if you want to take it, then don't put a rating. 
Yeah. But you know, you're just fucking off everybody else's rating. Oops, excuse me. You're just messing up everybody no, else's rating. You can say whatever you want on this show. This is not a family show. <laughs> this this is the <laughs> one podcast I do. I can just push yeah. the button. I get mad about that stuff. Uh, you know, especially being in San Antonio because we'll come out with a, a popular style of beer, right? And, you know, you'll have your craft beer fanatics, four, seven, fives, fives, four, right. fives. But then you have those people that don't know anything about craft beer start coming in. Ah, uh, yeah. this, this West Coast IPA is too bitter. Wait a second. <laughs> it's a West Coast IPA. That's what I hate or, about them, too. No, I'm joking. <laughs> or this, this doesn't taste like Bud Light. Yeah, this pastry stout tastes like, like a pastry. <laughs> like okay, well, it's pastry stout. So you know, different little things like that. But outside of that, you know. Well, you know, I tell people all the time. I'm like, the craft beer is still the people are drinking it. It's still micro. It ain't macro. People are still drinking exactly. it. We're still, we're still in this lane. You know what I'm saying? We're, yeah. That we're, yeah. You know, we think we're, we think we out there. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Twin Peaks is still in business with them cold ass mugs and shit. I'm like, mm. Exactly. You ain't even supposed to drink your beer that. Cold, That's what right? I'm saying. <laughs> I don't need 25 ounces of beer at once. What the hell? <laughs> well, I'm gonna say that this is one of two beers I will say I do not like. But is it bad? <laughs> like, man, it's pickles. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> it may not be your style. That don't mean it's bad. It's, it's not the best pickle beer I've had, but I'm not gonna rate it a two. You know. Hey, Marcus, dude, we appreciate you coming on here, man. I see you no, yawning over there. You guys having me. <laughs> I know it's been probably a, a long couple of weeks for you, or however long it's been, but be dude, right. we're, we're, we're happy to participate in it. We're going we're gonna to send you some Windshift beers, and I've got five or six friends in, in town who are, who are doing it, so we'll, we'll get you a care package. Yeah, um, make sure I get, make sure I yeah. try whoever does. Yeah, it. The, the, I'm just gonna say the wind shift one's gonna be the best. So I'm gonna say put it out there right now. <laughs> all right, I'm expecting I mean, it better be things, good. Tony. It will be. Yeah, that bear's that beer's gonna be handled with care. Trust me, with Tony, uh, Tony, yeah. Tony Sound. Marcus, uh, thanks for coming on, man, and, and congratulations on on using your voice for this. Thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah we appreciate it, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna come holler at you in August. Like I said, I'll be down there. So. All right, bro. Sounds I'll good. I'll come see you, Make man. Sure you Appreciate shoot me it, man. A message. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. All right, man. All right, Peace. gentlemen. You guys Thank have a great you. night. You too, man. Peace. You have been listening to Beers with Nigel, a show about beer and other stuff, hosted by Nigel Woodbury and that other guy, Nick Parker. Beers with Nigel is a proud member of the Fredcast Network, and it's available on your favorite podcast apps. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Beers with Nigel.